uh, we should be able to move through these last two fairly quickly. These are the last two of my sermon that I preached uh, three, four weeks ago. I told y'all that we would break them down two and three at a time. And these are 11 habits of highly effective fathers or highly effective men, however you want to put that. Like I said, we want to grow our men up to where our men, whether you are a physical father or not, you will become a spiritual father because our our church, our community, our communities, our work areas, all those places need spiritual fathers in them. You know, one thing you'll find out about a spiritual father is that one of the things we're going to talk about today is the most, the more stable a person is, the more stable a man is, the more, the more consistent a man is, the more his example is set for other men to be attracted to. And that's one of the things that you'll see that uh, the more stable you are, the more effective you will be. The more stable we are as men, the more effective we, we become. Because what, what people are attracted to is it's kind of like the gravitational pull. If, if we didn't have gravitational pull, you've seen, you've seen uh, men and women both go into outer space where there is no gravitational pull. And what happens? They got to pull themselves around and everything's just kind of discombobulated and it's floating around and everything. And, and, and it's very unstable. But uh, stability attracts other men as well as other people to you. And that's what we want to be. We want to be men who are attractional, um, not physically necessarily. If you can be that, good for you. Some of us can't. So uh, maybe not physically, but, but be attractional because you are consistent, you're persistent. And then in that, you will set a good example. And that was number 10 on my list was being a good or a great example for the community and the time that you're here on this earth. It's important that we are our great examples. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and we will start. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you do in our lives. I thank you for the opportunity to teach this morning. I thank you for a free country. We pray over this country. We pray that it is one nation under one God and that God is Jesus, Lord. We thank you for that. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So as I was saying, fathers are examples. So if I were to ask you a question this morning, what kind of example are you? Well, you may answer, it depends on my environment. Well, what environment? Are you the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Probably for us not. For God, it's true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And the more we press into Him, the more consistent we'll be, the better example will become. But the truth is, for many of us, it depends upon our environment what kind of example we set. And I'll give you some examples. If you uh, grew up as a partier and you're now 30 years old and you've been responsible and you've been uh, making money and you have a job and you've had the same job for seven or eight years since college, but you show up at a high school reunion what kind of example are you at that high school reunion? Do you revert back? See, sometimes we're, we, we don't need to be the same as we were yesterday, right? It's good that God is, but for us, sometimes that, that, that's a, a difficult thing when we go back and we revert, revert back to what children do or a child does. Other examples, when you come to church, are you one person? When you go to work, are you another? You see, what kind of example is that? Uh, you know, we reproduce who we are. And so if children see inconsistency, 
what's at risk is not necessarily the child, but the adult that the child will become. Then that adult will become at risk because they had an inconsistent father. Now, what does inconsistency look like? Well, uh, if a father drinks, usually they become inconsistent in their behavior. And when their behaviors are inconsistent, sometimes it's violence, sometimes, most times I've seen, it's passivity, it's trying to check out, and a child learns from their father that we can check out in life, that uh, we can go to our man cave, if you will, and, and have a time of, of checking out or passivity. And, and many times we produce generations of passive young men and women based upon our example. A godly father will produce godly offspring, or should. And so for us as leaders, because every man, man I, I talked about this, you know, two, three weeks ago, this is one of the, the traits that's, that is deposited in each one of us. Every man has a quality of leadership in them. Now, whether or not they tap into that, that's up to you. But every man has a quality uh, that, that is given to you to lead by and to lead with. Now, you should ask yourself, am I worth following? Am I worth emulating? I, I know many times I, I ask myself that. You know, if you follow me, what's, what's your destination going to be? Now, we, of course, want people to follow Jesus, but Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Our lives are to be living examples of what Christ is doing in each one of us. So we have to ask ourselves some tough, tough questions. Where do people get when they follow me? Where do people get when they see me? Am I a good example for Jesus Christ? Can people see Jesus living within me? Would our children want to be like us? And we, would we want them to be like us? You ever think of that? Now, my children are going to be very different from me. That's pretty obvious. Praise God. However, I do want them to have faith in Jesus Christ. That's the main thing that we can give to our children. You know, when I say they're going to be different, just simply because we're geared differently. Whether we intend it or not, we are a role model to some and hopefully to all of those who are around us. So if, if one of the, the, the big things that we have to become is we have to become men who are men who say that not only they are Christians, but follow me and you should find Christ. You should find Christ. All right. So we got to ask ourselves those tough questions. You know, I'm going to take you through a quick story here. Genesis, um, I'm going to be in Genesis 6 and then go to Genesis 9 and then I'm going to go to Hebrews. Just stay with me. All this speaks about the same guy, Noah, right? So this is the account of Noah, Genesis 6, 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Men, the first thing you can do to be a great example is to walk faithfully with your God. That's it. Now, you may ask the question, well, but I still stumble, I still fall, I still have these struggles in my life. Have those struggles, but, but no, here's the cool thing about having a struggle as a man. If you are an example as a man and you are struggling, let's say that, you're, that, that, that you struggle with one of the, the most common one is anger, that, that you have outburst of anger. The light always turns red on you, right? That's, that's me. I mean, especially if I've got a big trailer on behind some way the lights you know it turns yellow and I'm like yeah I don't want to stop with this thing right but you've been there and so so you feel like it's all about me it's all about my but just listen to me if anger begins to to burst out of you if if you have little fits of rage at times because some men do 
You listen. When you stop and you say, Lord, help me, and you say it in front of those around you, Lord, I don't want to get mad today. Lord, help me hold my tongue. I mean, I took my son driving last night, and uh, uh, whoo, I'm going to tell you right now how I was praying. Uh, you want to have faith in God, just ride with my boy, okay? Because uh, he, he uh, you know, I took him down to Tully. He's taking his test this morning, and, and we, <laughs> at one particular time, uh, he pulls up, and I told him, I said, you know, you got to stop before the stop signs and everything else, and we were working on our parallel parking, the whole nine yards, but he pulls up, and I said, now, when you, you, you stop back here, and there's a big building there, of course, you can't see around it. We were on the main street there, and uh, so I said, just ease out. Well, he just jumps out, and there's a big old pickup. I mean, pulling a trailer, flying down the road, coming this way, and instead of, you know, I was like, go, 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 and, and then I was like, stop, stop, you know, and I just confused him. So he just shuts down and stops right in the middle of a two-lane, and that thing just has to veer and go around us, you know, and I'm like, holy cow, son. Jesus, hold my tongue. Jesus, help my son. You know, what happens is, look, in your weakness, he's made strong. So it's okay. There are going to be times, I hate to give permission for weaknesses, but we're all here to get stronger. And there are going to be times when what we have to do is say, you know what, I have a weakness here, but I want to show my children that through my humility, I'm looking to God to help me. So it's okay to say a prayer right then and there. I was like, Lord, save us. And then I was like, wait, wake up, son. And then I was like, Lord, hold my tongue. He's learning, right? I said it out loud. And he's like, I'm sorry, Dad, I just, da, 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 da. he doesn't even get uptight about it. And I was like, well, he was going to hit you on your side. I'd have been okay, but anyway. So, so you know, there, there are those things in your weakness. Now, here's the thing, because Noah, as we talk about Noah, Noah had a weakness. I, I love this because his children wound up cover, covering Noah up at one time over his weakness. Any of you know what his weakness was? He's a drunk. Thanks, Wade. <laughs> Why don't you just say it the way it, anyway. Uh, well, he, he, he's not necessarily a drunk. He got drunk, okay? He, he did have an affinity for wine, is how the scripture would put it. But let's just say, yes, he, he did get drunk, we see, on one occasion, and wound up naked, and, and his kids, instead of, instead of uncovering his nakedness, I love this because that tells me that Noah... In his weakness, somewhere he had pointed his children to God. If you remember, they covered him up. How did they cover him up? They wouldn't look upon his nakedness. They walked backwards and they covered him up, right? Um, because he was drunk and naked, I guess. I, you know, that's a bad way to be in front of your kids. Don't do that, right? It's a bad thing when your kids are covering you up. But, but somewhere he had pointed them to instead of uncovering because we live in a day and time that says oh if that man messes up what are we going to do we're going to uncover him right but here's Noah he's seen he's still seen as a righteous man now watch this Genesis 6 9 this is the account of Noah and his family Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time that tells me that he influenced the people that he was around he was blameless even though they made fun of him building the ark he was blameless before the people see he was setting a great example that, look, I follow God irregardless of what you're doing. I follow God. And the people knew that Noah followed God. He was blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully 
with God. That's Genesis 6-9. Now, Genesis 6-22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Now, men, this tells me that Noah had a near for God. To be a great example, we need to do everything just as God had commanded him. Just as God commands us, as God commands us, we need to walk faithfully with God. I mean, you will set the best example, the prime example in your life by just listening and doing what God commands you to do. Genesis 9, we, we keep moving through the story. Then God said to Noah and to his sons, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, with every living creature that was with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. I've set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, this is the promise that God gives us. This is the covenant. Hey, that's not going to happen again. Now, Noah, at the time, you have to remember that it had to be very difficult for Noah because when the flood was coming, he was the only one following the Lord. Now, the people saw Noah as a man as a man who was blameless. However, they made fun of, they mocked him. He continued to build. You know how long it took to build the ark? Any of you have any idea? How many? 40? That's a great guess because that would be a generation. But that's wrong. But it took 120 years to build the ark. And so in 120 years, here's Noah building this ark. During that time, he's building it in a desert. Can you imagine being a man and people walking by going, yo, that is a good man, but he's an idiot. It doesn't rain in the desert. Look at the size of that. You know, people, you can just imagine the talk, but it didn't change who he was. Now, I love the promise that God gave him. God gave him the promise of a covenant, the promise of a rainbow, and look, the promise of the earth. I won't do this to the earth again, Noah. And I won't do it to you again, all right? Noah was blameless, if you will, before God or before his people. And he was seen as righteous. It was as it should be because of his faith in God. He was willing to hear. He had weaknesses. Many had weaknesses, but he still pointed his children where? To God, to God. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. He became an heir of the righteousness of faith. So here's Noah. And Noah, with, with his weaknesses and everything else, I love the fact that God himself saw him as righteous with his faith and gave him a task to do. Now, who believed in his task? His family. Those who were closest. Man, if you have a family, you lead your family, you get them to believe in your task, the task that God has, has called you to, right? And then from there, that's your sphere, if you will. That's your sphere of influence. And as you work with your sphere of influence, that sphere of influence gets larger. Now, I'm sure when the waters, when the flood started to come, they said, let us on. No, we know you're blameless. You built this thing. You saw this coming. You heard from your Lord. But Noah said, no, you know, um, I'm just supposed to take the animals. This is what the Lord's called me to do. This is who he's called me to be. In a world taken over by evil, violence, and corruption, look, Noah was a righteous man. Noah wasn't just a righteous man. He was the only follower of God left on the earth. 
That's why he was saved. Now, can you imagine, we talk about how difficult it is to be a believer at our job sites. Can you imagine being Noah? He's the only believer found on earth at that time. The Bible says that he was blameless among the people. It also says that he walked with God. You know, we live in a society, and he lived in a society that was saturated with sin, rebellion against God. Noah was the only man alive that pleased God, and it's hard to imagine such unwavering faithfulness in the midst of total, total godlessness. He's building something in the desert. He's building a boat in the desert because God called him to. It's hard to imagine with all the mockery with all the people coming by, with not one believer in Moses, or I'm sorry, in Moses, in Noah's God, without one believer left on earth, that he stayed faithful. He continued to listen to the voice of God, and it saved his family. Over and over again in the account of Noah, we read Noah did everything just as God commanded. As you go back and you read about Noah, that's what you'll see. Now he lived 950 years. And in that 950 years, he exemplified obedience. He had weaknesses, all right, but in his weaknesses, he still believed God to be stronger than his weakness. He did not lose his faith even in his weakness. Boy, I, I really, when I put this together, I really wanted to go after this because I don't know how many people I see quit following the Lord because of their weakness. You got a message coming, I'm just telling you. An open Sunday is coming where I'm going to teach on that. We see pastors bail out of ministry forever because their sin was exposed. We, we, we see people walk away from even mentioning the name of Jesus because their sin was exposed. I could just go on and on. Noah didn't. 950 years, his sin was exposed. Boom, he continued on in the call. He continued on to be strong where he could be strong. See, during Noah's generation, the wickedness of man had covered the earth like a flood. See, the flood had already happened. It was known as wickedness. It was known as debauchery. It was known as, as, as sin. And it had already flooded the earth. We talk about, I, I've had people come at me and say, how could God ever flood the earth? Well, God wasn't the first one to flood it. Man did with all of his sin. And by pulling away from God and not listening to God and what God had for them, Noah was the only one righteous still found on the earth. So God decided to restart humanity with Noah and his family, giving very specific instructions. The Lord told Noah to build an ark in preparation for a catastrophic flood that would finally destroy every living thing on earth. So, Noah wound up in the book of Hebrews, which in the book of Hebrews, that's why I ended with this a while ago. Hebrews is where? Old Testament, New Testament. New Testament, good men. All right. Read your Bibles and learn that. Hebrews is in the New Testament. He's known as a hero of the faith right why what made him a hero of the faith well because of the example that he set so man number 10 on our list was being an example every man in order to grow up in the faith to to grow up into maturity needs to learn and recognize that we are called to be examples to everyone on the earth examples of faith in our one God. Now, in saying that as examples, to be examples, to grow up as men, to be those examples, to be those men of influence, right? There's got to be something else that's attached to that. So the last thing I mentioned was this. Number 11 was consistent. Because the best way to be an example is to be consistent in your faith. 
See, Noah never wavered. It doesn't say that Noah never sinned. Noah never wavered. When, when God called him to do these very things, it's kind of like Abraham and Isaac. When God called Abraham to take Isaac up on the mountain, where's the sacrifice? Right? Well, he bounds up his own son. He lays him there on the altar. He's getting ready, right? Because here's why. God doesn't call us to do that. He wouldn't call us to bind our own sons. He did that for us. But, but here's what we see through that, that the task at hand that Abraham was consistent. Noah was consistent. Moses was consistent. They were consistent on hearing the Lord. And because they were consistent, they were men of great influence. Now, let me ask you about your consistency this morning. Let me check, check your church attendance this morning. <laughs> you see, uh, let's, let's check your Bible reading consistency this morning. Let's ask ourselves some tough questions. Are we the men like these men who sought after God each and every day of their life? Now, Moses lived 900 plus years. I mean, Noah lived 900 something plus years. Now, think about that for a moment. He still saw his time as very valuable. He spent his time doing what? Seeking out what the Lord was saying. He spent his time because he was righteous. He knew this, the, the definition for righteous, righteousness, it is as it should be between me and the Lord. That means that he had an ear for the Lord. Whether he sinned, whether he didn't sin, whether he had a great week, uh, whatever, he knew this, that my time is in God's hand. And he knew that his time was limited. Now, if we had 900 years, if the average lifespan of humanity today were 900 years, what would today look like in your life? Shoot, for all of us, we'd be like, let's party like it's 1999, man. Come on. Because you're like, even if you're 100, you're like, I still got 800 to go. Shoot, I'm still a child. I still play, right? That wasn't, that wasn't Noah. See, and it's, it's amazing to us that we can be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and still say, man, I, I, I still got tomorrow. But see, Noah didn't see it that way. He was consistent in his walk with the Lord. Moses was consistent in his walk with the Lord. Abraham was consistent in his walk with the Lord. Consistency brings great influence. When your children know that every morning you get up and read the Word of God and you pray for them, that's consistency right? Uh, I can remember years ago, Wade telling me that since my office was is right next to his bedroom, he'd say, Dad, I, I heard you in there praying you woke me up this morning. And I don't get wound up in my prayer. Sometimes I do, but not, you know, I mean, I'm not like the, the lady in the prayer room, you know, what was the name of that movie? War Room, yeah. Probably should be, right? Times, usually I'm trying to get the coffee down saying, Lord, are you awake this morning? Because I just barely am. But anyway, right? I mean, but, but kids remember that kind of thing. I, I, I was thinking back on, on a man who came to visit while we were in Arizona. I was living with a, uh, when I got out of the service, I was living with a young man that was, that was uh, in the youth group. His family invited me in, and, and his grandfather came. And his grandfather was well up into his 80s and <laughs> stayed with us for two or three weeks. And I, I was living in the sunroom. The sunroom just had one of those day beds that you pulled out. And so I would pull it out and, and uh, sleep there on that day bed. But every morning, uh, I always slept with the door open and it faced into the kitchen. And I remember that old man sitting in there reading his Bible every single morning, drinking his cup of coffee. 
And that really impacted me. You know, at the time I was 25 and was just looking in there and going, wow, look at that man. Every morning he wakes me up and he's in there drinking his coffee and reading his Bible. See, consistency brings us to a place of influence. I could have switched these two around and talked about consistency prior to influence. But the two really go together. The more consistent we are, look, it's like I said earlier, the gravitational constant is 9.8 meters per second squared, right? It's there. If I jump off of this stage, it's going to show up. It's constant. And so we buy shoes because of the gravitational constant. Some of you got the little spongy shoes because you're a little older now and your feet hurt, right? It's because there's a gravitational constant. My feet have gotten bigger over the years. Is that not crazy? I don't know if it's happened to you yet, but I've gone from wearing a size 10 to a size 11. And I'm like, what? What happened? And then somebody tells me, what's your arch? You know, because over the years, the gravitational pull, it's constant. What about your gravitational pull? What's constant? What's consistent in you? You see, the Bible warns us not to provoke our children to anger or to frustrate them. All leadership especially discipline, it must be consistent. If you're a church father, you, you, you should be consistent in, in the way that you discipline, in the way that you speak, in the way that you edify. That's to be consistent. It also must be reasonable. So if we talk about if you are, are just an earthly dad and you've still got children that are 10 and under, uh, you know that discipline is a part of that. The scripture says this, that God disciplines those whom he loves. Part of who God is is who we are to become, not to become God, of course, but to, to take on his characteristics. So let's talk about being consistent in discipline. I, there's a couple of things here that I think would be helpful for us. If you are a, a dad, you are called to discipline your children. This is part of what's wrong with our culture today, by the way, because children have more rights than parents. Now, in some cases, that's a good thing. If the parent beats their child, of course, that's a good thing. But look, we are called not to provoke our children to anger. In other words, don't badger them to the point they get angry with you. I can do that real quick. I like to tickle. And I got two of my kids that hate to be tickled, right? I got two of I got the youngest one comes over and says, Dad, I still got 100 tickles left. You didn't get them all. And I'm like, well, let me just try to get them, right? She just wants, she'll put my hands right here to tickle her constantly. But then I've got two others that they don't want to be tickled. So what do I do? I provoke them to anger. That's not healthy. All right, don't do that. Look, it frustrates them. But here's our part. When it comes to discipline, we must be consistent. We must be consistent. The scripture says that God disciplines those whom he loves. That means that he disciplines out of love. He doesn't discipline out of frustration. Now, men, I know y'all probably grew up, you know, my dad was just like, I'll take care of it right here, right now. I mean, uh-oh, Shelly and I are fighting in the back seat. The car pulls over. We already know, right? It didn't matter who was driving by. The belt's coming off. That's just kind of how it was, right? And there's a little bit of disciplining by frustration there, you know, and, and a little bit of out, of out of order. But he got us right back into order. Right. And, and, and so there's a way to do that. Of course, we do kingdom families here. We say, you know, send them to the bedroom. Uh, make sure you cool down. You don't discipline out of your own frustration and be consistent and make sure that it's out of love. Right. It must be reasonable, even if it is unpleasant. Don't be unreasonable with your children. Be consistent because a consistent earthly father will be a consistent spiritual father. 
And there are times, look, spiritual fathers, this is partly, I want you to hear me. I'm giving you permission here. We need spiritual fathers in the church for disciplinary reasons as well. For consistent disciplinary reasons as well. Our churches have become very undisciplined just like the culture they're in. You don't have to look far to see mainline denominations no longer upholding the scripture as the final authority or the word of God. But they've, they, they've accepted every kind of practice, every type of humanity. They, they've allowed sin to spread throughout because what are we afraid of? If we take a stand, we too will be persecuted. Let's just be honest. It, 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 just, just go and confront somebody of their sin or say, hey, I, I, I see this. I know you're struggling with this. I want to walk alongside of you and help get you back in the parameters of where you're supposed to be so that you will be effective for his kingdom. What happens sometimes when we do that? Well, it ain't none of your business. You ever get that one? I get it a lot. <laughs> be the pastor, right? But, but there are going to be, be ways. But be consistent in that. Be consistent with the word of God. Look, I'm not here to be judgmental. Not at all. That God's ultimately the judge. But I am here to help people learn what it is to be consistent in their walk with Christ. Because consistency brings great influence and the possibility for great influence. We all have boundaries. Hopefully you have boundaries in your home. When I moved out to the canyon, I was going to put a hot wire fence all the way around the edge of the canyon because my kids were very small, and I thought I'd rather them get shocked than fall off the canyon so that they would learn. Allison talked me out of it, right? But, but there are things that there are parameters that God puts on us for our own well-being and so that as we grow up and we become more and more consistent, we have the opportunity as church fathers to say, hey, um, part of consistency is discipline, is to learn and teach people how to be disciplined themselves, right? I mean, that's really the definition of an adult when you look at people growing up, is are they able to discipline themselves to a place of responsibility? That's, that's an adult. When you see a transition from a young man or young woman begin to discipline themselves to a point of responsibility. So eventually, we no longer have to be the ones who discipline, right? We now become the ones who encourage, admonish, direct, and help them make the next steps to have a successful Christian walk when the world, the whole world, is going a different way. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So he's saying, look, our God is good. Every good gift comes from God. The other night, uh, Adi and I had gone Sunday afternoon uh, to go visit a family and when we were coming back, Adi, Adi said, you know, I want to see the miracle signs and wonders in church again. It made me start thinking. It, it just really prompted some things. Why don't we see, you know, what, what's happening? Where are we as far as the end of times ratio goes? You know, all, this, all these questions start. But one of the things that, that I began to do that night when I got in bed, I started thinking about every miracle I've seen since I've been a Christian. Just trying to go through from small to great, uh, I even put them on a, in a chronological order. I think this happened back in 1996. Uh, 
In 97, I saw this happen. And in 99, we were praying for this person. Mom was diagnosed. The Lord spoke to me through the book of, or <laughs> through the book, uh, through the man of Hezekiah, right? That, that, he, that she would get 15 years. I remember that. You know, I was just going through the miracles that, that I've seen God perform. And I realized every good thing does come from our Heavenly Father. He means for good for us. Now, here's what I love about God is it goes on to say in James that there is no variation or shifting shadow. He does not shift. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so that type of consistency, he created us in his image. And when we rebel against the image that he created us in, then we lose our consistency. God wants us to be consistent. There's no variation or shifting shadow with him. We can give good gifts to our children. Even our children, if you're a church father, good gifts doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go and you know, buy gifts for the children. What it does mean is that you're going to share the gifts that you have with your children. Maybe you have a prophetic gift. Maybe you have a prayer gift. Maybe you have a way to, to pray or to teach a teaching gift. You know, to teach with the children, whatever it is. And, and then be that person with no variation or shifting shadow. Now, I know that, that we're not God. But this is something he wants us to be and become. Psalm 89, 34 says, My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. In other words, that he's constant. He is a constant and should be a constant in our life. Life is short. Life is seasonal. Sometimes it's a season of miracles. Sometimes it's a season of faith. You just got to have faith. There were 400 years after Malachi before they saw a move of God. Someone in there had to hang on to some faith, right? Sometimes we're just in that season. We got to just say this is who we are and be consistent in our pursuit of God because then our influence grows much greater. Anthony Robbins says this. He says, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we do consistently. The more consistent you're in the word of God, the more consistent you listen to uh, Christian radio, if you will, the more consistent that, that you make sure you have positive feed in your life, it, then, then what happens is it helps you become shaped into the image of God. The more consistent you are on your worship, in your worship, the more church is a priority, man. I have people, it's amazing. It, this almost happens to me every single week as a pastor. And as the church grows, as our influence, look, our influence goes well beyond this little spot on, on South Monarch. Uh, Caleb, where is Caleb? Caleb comes to my office the other day. And he says, Curtis, do you know how many people have listened to your sermon in 22 hours? I have no idea. I don't even know where he sees this stuff. I have no idea. But what was it? 300 and something people in 22 hours had already listened to, to there's a huge influence that takes place out of here that we we don't even see we've got to be consistent in the message that we give we've got to stay consistent because look we're not just shaping our lives we're shaping the lives around us men because we're called to be men of influence consistency builds trust and here's the cool thing we can trust god because he can he's a consistent god he's not a god of inconsistency he's a god of love inconsistency leads to breaking trust have you ever known People who are inconsistent, eventually, what do you want to say? I'm not even inviting them because they're hit, hit or miss 50% of the time, right? You know people who are inconsistent. You ever had one work for you? <laughs> not long. Some of you, that's true. Not long, right? They get there late every day. 
It, what do you want to do? You say, ah, that's kind of inconsistent. We, we want, or, or, you know, whatever their influence is, it can be dangerous. Inconsistency is tough, and God calls us to be consistent. When people are inconsistent, they're late for work, they're late for a date, they change plans at the last minute, they change their minds, right? You, you've been down that road before. You can't build trust around inconsistent people. Proverbs 22 says it this way about children. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he grows old, he will what? He will not depart from it. In other words, when you provide an environment of consistency, you know why children want to be around their parents? Usually because they're the most consistent people in their life. It's true. A good parent is consistent. And, and, and it builds trust. And we're called to build trust. Be a consistent father. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. God is not a God of disorder, but he's a God of order. Consistency should, should bring order to your life and the lives of those around you. This is what God's looking for us to be, men. Men of consistency in order for this, in order to be men of influence. Those two go hand in hand. So what does your consistency look like today? Is God included? You know, a lot of men have great work ethic. Great work ethic. Um, but are inconsistent at home or inconsistent in the church or inconsistent, you know, the, the argument I get, I, this is where I was going a while ago with the 300 um, people of, uh, you know, that listen online. Here's, here's where I would go with that is that um, God is wanting to use us to be men of consistency so that we not only influence, but where when people say things like church is not important, it's relationship with God. This is what I get. This is what I was going to say I get every week is people tell me all the time, church is not important to God. And the way I've read the word, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but he gave his life up for her. Ephesians 5, church is very important to God. Yes, relationship, but where, where's the equipping center? Where's the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet? Where, where are these? if they're not found in the church, in the body of Christ, to equip us so that we become consistent and so that we become the people of influence. You know, at one time, the church in America was the influence of America. It wasn't the politicians. It wasn't politics. Why did we give up on that? Well, because someone came along and said, well, that's just a bunch of people doing a ritual. Uh, what Jesus is about is a relationship. He is about relationship, but man, he gave himself up for his bride who is known as the church, the body. If we don't want to participate in the kingdom here, why would we in the heavens? We've got to be consistent. It's got to become and be a priority because then that's where our strength comes from as far as being the influence throughout not just our city, our culture, but the world. For God so loved the world and he was consistent in that. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, as we go through our questions, Father, lead us by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.